Hello, and welcome to the Training Day Podcast, where we help you continue learning so you can be equipped for every good work in everyday life. My name is Kurt McDonald. I'm the pastor of Gospel Community Church. And my name is Matt Ford. I'm the pastor of Restoration City Church in Hampton. Awesome. Uh, we are podcasting to you uh, from where? My workshop behind my new house. Uh, I have a wood shop that I've been setting up. Uh, we're surrounded by uh, tools and lumber and lots and lots of dust. I don't have a dust collection system in here. Well, it makes me feel very much at home uh, to be in a wood shop. Uh, as some of you guys know, uh, when I'm not reading commentaries or doing counseling or doing my pastor gig, um, I love doing woodwork, and so I feel very at home. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you hear saws in the background, that's uh, Kirk's family, his brother and his dad. In my house, uh, they're, they're subcontracting for me. Uh, they're building a... A bathroom for my daughters in the basement, which is the never-ending bathroom project. I've been going on for about two months now. Well, that anybody that's a homeowner knows that there's never-ending projects that yeah. keep on going. So, um, so today's podcast, uh, we wanted to discuss with you guys and kind of talk about um, fear and anxiety. Um, it. Why, Matt? Do you think why is fear and anxiety? so incredibly prevalent right now? Well, I think we all know that it's, it's always been there. We, we have a theology that tells us about the fall and sin nature. So I don't think God designed us for brains or hearts, souls that are, that are meant to experience fear and anxiety, uh, but sin poisons everything. So we have th theology that tells us it's always been there since the fall. Um, but there seems to be the sem sense that it's been increasing. Yes. Right? It's been increasing. Um, Honestly, just with a, just a little bit of thought, I, I think I've I, I think I've got a few reasons why it seems to be so much more prevalent. Is one is that we're more aware of it these days. Like we're we're more sensitive to it. I think back in the fifties in America, uh, your average adult would have experienced depression and anxiety, uh, and we are I think our general culture would have been just, hey man, suck it up, go back to work, uh, stop being a sissy. Uh, or else people would just work themselves through it or drink themselves through it or just ignore it and die of heart attacks at, you know, 48 uh, with the diets that we were eating in the 50s. Um, so I think we're more aware of it, so we see it more. And two, I think our world has shrunk and our awareness of troublesome things has grown. Yeah. So with the advent of the internet and the advent of so much more knowledge in the average human being's database of their brain, uh, I, I don't think people in the 50s, I don't think your average American was as aware of how many car wrecks are happening and how many plane wrecks are happening and how many people are dying of cancer and the flu and what could happen if this terrorist organization or that nation. But those things existed, but our world has shrunk and our knowledge base has grown and we have more knowledge of all the bad things that are out there and around us. Yeah, I think it, like if you had to sum that up, I would say data overload. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, uh, I'm I'm not God, and uh, I'm, you know, don't don't know his thoughts. I try to think his thoughts after him as much as I can uh, by reading his word. But I'm not sure that God designed our brains to know everything about everyone, everywhere, all the time. At least not with these fallen bodies, right? You know? Yeah. Um, I, I I think for Americans as well. There's convenience, comfort, and leisure that has created more space for us to experience that. So, uh, th this uh, you know, results may vary, experiences may vary, but when I'm at a task, when I'm working, when I'm focused, when I'm doing something, uh, I I don't think I, there's as much room or space for my for my bandwidth, my mind to focus on all the negative things that I could be worried about and frustrated about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so with with so much free time or free energy, free bandwidth in our brains, especially for us Americans, um, I, I think that creates a, a bit larger of a playground for that stuff to take root and flourish. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, going back to the information overload, that's that's why my wife, Shannon, can't watch uh, medical shows anymore. Because if, if House comes on, uh, whatever whatever disease that person has, she starts to go, I think I've got that symptom. Right. Right. I think I've got that. Yeah. Yeah. So... I I just think that, especially with the way that um, the way that media works, is you know t terrible things sell, right? Uh, terrible things catch our attention. Um, so hey, somebody like saved a puppy, like okay, whatever. 
oh, these hundred people had this terrible disease, which story, you know, is, is going to go to the top? Well, all the terrible things is, is kind of what goes to the top. Um, and so from, you know, your scroll on social media to your watching the news to, and all the terrible things um, are giving you the idea and the impression um, that, oh my God, like, we're, we're all going to die. This is, this is horrible. Yeah. Six, six o'clock news comes in and says, you know, uh, breaking now, this killer virus is in this community in the local metro area. More information in 20 minutes after all these commercials. Oh my God, I can't wait 20 minutes. And your mind is blowing up as you watch Reebok commercials, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's sexy. And that's what drives, uh, drives our media and consumeristic culture is, is literally bad news. Mm -hmm. So I think if you take that, so if you take what, what we're, what we're calling data overload, like, you know, I, I wonder how many people would, uh, would be embarrassed to show their screen time reports, uh, from, from their iPhones. Um, I have explicit instructions to my wife. If I die, delete all the information about how much wasteful time I've been spending on Netflix and yeah. Xbook. So it, I think if you take that, if you take data overload, um, obviously all the crazy things that have happened this year, real crazy things, truly bad, they cruelly bad things. Um, if, if, if you look at uh, the, the pandemic, um, social injustice, uh, economic hardship, if you take all of that and then combine it with people who have really painful things they've experienced in their past, mm -hmm. their parents were divorced, they were abused, um, they, they grew up very poor, um, they, they had an alcoholic father, right? If you, if you take data overload, everything from 2020, and, and connect that with um, painful issues from your past, which everyone has. Yeah. I think that's probably, at, at least we're scratching the surface of why um, us as pastors find ourselves talking about anxiety yeah. and fear a lot more now than, say, we did in 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with the, it's a recipe for the disaster when you add that final element of this quarantine, whether or not someone agrees that we should be quarantining or having all the social distancing and people should be, when, when people are now disconnected from relationships and fellowships and being around people, uh, which even if you're an introvert, I think even introverts would recognize I, I'm suffering from not at least having some robust human interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, but that disconnected a lot, like it, a lot of dangerous stuff happens for you spiritually and psychologically and emotionally when you're disconnected and isolated from people and all you're left with is really just your thoughts mm. or the internet or the media talking to you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a perfect recipe. On, on top of I me, mean, we can just keep listing things. People who really truly do have chemical imbalances or homo hormonal defects yeah. in their body, true medical things that can be measured and that that affects their, their mental and spiritual health. Um, it, it's, it's a big mountain facing you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's kind of segue and talk about maybe, um, signs that you're dealing with, uh, unhealthy, uh, fear and anxiety. So, um, we know that the apostle Paul, uh, says, do not be anxious about anything, right? <laughs> yes. That's kind of a tall order there, but he says, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, but then, then over in, in Corinthians, he, he gives this long list of all the terrible things that he, that he went through. Like uh, he was adrift at sea a day and a night. He was uh, stoned, he was beaten with rods. And, and, and then he's, he makes this incredible statement. He says, and on top of all of that, he said, there is my daily anxiety for the churches. Mm -hmm. Am I or am I getting the right idea that there's, there is healthy anxiety? There, there are things that... Um, that probably are worth us maybe worrying a little bit about. Um, but then there's also a way that we can deal with anxiety in our life that's very, very unhealthy. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. One, I would say it would probably be a good idea for us and maybe even our listeners to go back and do a little bit of homework to look at what that word he's using, anxiety. Yeah. It, is that the same word of anxiety that he's using in the other text where he says, don't be anxious for anything? Um, it might be that like we... Probably a good idea to go back and do the homework of reading the Greek. Um, but even even in doing that, uh, I think there is a healthy 
form of anxiety. It's called concern. Yes. Concern, like uh, Jesus has concern, like his, he's troubled in his spirit. Uh, when he stands over Jerusalem on the hilltop before the Passion Week and he weeps, he's got a form of anxiety, a form of concern, and, and that's a healthy, righteous form of it, which is worry and concern for, for that which you love. Mm-hmm. I mean, a person who has no concern for their kid while they're sick with a fever that's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that, that's a that's a bad parent. Like, there's something wrong with them mm-hmm. that they have no concern. Uh, versus the parent who has unhealthy anxiety, and now the kid is sick, and man, they're they're on WebMD, and they're freaking out, and they're 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 losing their mind, and they're rushing to the ER over a fever, and it might just be a hundred one fever, mm-hmm. right? There's yes. some of these some of these clues show what kind of anxiety you might have, what sort of fear. Okay. Well, let's use that distinction then between yeah. anxiety and concern. Yeah. Um, so what are some ways, like what are some things that uh, maybe you observe in your own life um, or maybe uh, in, in the lives of some of the people that go to our churches to where you say, okay, you've clearly stepped over the line from just being generally concerned, mm-hmm. like having a, a an appropriate amount of concern. You're like way over living and have set up your camp in in anxiety land. Yeah, I got I got three things honestly. I think are symptoms that maybe don't lock in the diagnosis, but clue clue have clued me in in my own life and in observing people in our church. One is people who have lost hope and stopped making plans. Mm. That there's no hope for the future because of this fear. So I stopped making plans. Two is um, distraction or detachment. Just there, there's no forward movement. I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to do the thing. I'm going to stop involving myself in my hobbies or things that you know provide me joy. Um, uh, and and then three, the willingness to sin, just the, just the handing yourself over to sin, uh, because when when you don't have the when you don't have the peace that surpasses understanding that only comes from God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, um, then you you're going to lash out either in anger or frustration. Uh, you you're you're more open to disobeying the Lord because you're not trusting him and you're going to save yourself, but you're, you're a drowning victim thrashing about punching the lifeguard in the face as he's trying to save you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those three things, you, you stop making plans for the future because you lost hope. Two, you detach or distance or stop movement in your life. And three is just, man, you, handing, you start handing yourself over to sin. Mm-hmm. It's just bewildering sin s- striking out. Yeah, yeah. I've talked about this before on... Um on the podcast that we did with Greenbrier, um, I, I think uh, you you can know or see that you're in spiritual depression or or anxiety, um, you know, through not being able to enjoy the beautiful things in your life, the laughter of your child, uh, a good meal, um, the the embrace of your spouse, right? All of those things are inherently beautiful. Yeah. And when you see or experience those things and your heart does not fill with joy, when the beautiful things in your life become mundane, trivial, um, or even irritating, like I've discovered that and it, you know, things in my life that should be great and wonderful become irritating. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, also, another like another way that I notice it in myself is um, angry. So <clears throat> there's usually how men in particular, but women as well, yeah. usually how men will manifest an initial emotion mm-hmm. is mostly anger. Mm-hmm. But anger is not the root of what's really going on. Anger is simply a, 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 the, the byproduct of what's coming out of what's really going on in your heart, which may be... Um, pride or envy or jealousy or anxiety, shame or sadness, shame or sadness. But but how you exhibit that emotion is you're mad about it. Yeah, you're mad that this person said this or this person did that. Yeah. Um, and he's a, Jason Burl, our, our brother, pastor in Warner Robins, X Way Nine, brother. He he's got a short saying: Is he, do you want to do you want to know how to find the sad man? Find the angry man. Yeah. And that's how you know who the, who the sad guy is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So I think definitely there. Um, I think that's a really helpful distinction between going from concern uh, and stepping over into uh, anxiety. Um, so I, what I want to do now is is really kind of start to um, 
maybe kind of give uh, our listeners some some places to go. So maybe they've heard us talking about this and they're going, yeah, that's that's definitely me. Yeah. Um, I, I have stepped over from general good godly concern about the things that are going on in my marriage, concern about my children, concern about my world, concern about politics. Um, and I have stepped way over into anxiety land. I have set up my camp. You know, I've got a fire going. There's uh, food on the table over here in anxiety camp. Yeah. Um, what I want to do is is just begin to um, talk with them um, about some things that they can do, areas of focus, um, and really uh, kind of how to begin to approach this. Yeah. Well, I guess the segue into that is what does the Bible say? Yeah. Right. Is there anything in the Bible that we would pull from to base that from? Do you want to go first? No, but no. I, all right, cool. Um, John Piper, uh, pastor, a uh, longtime pastor up in Minnesota, has been really influential for me to, in his teaching and preaching and writing about depression, anxiety. And I heard him just give uh, a life-changing transformative sermon on Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, so here, here's the nutshell version for, for our listeners. Uh, Elijah is this prophet. Um, he's, he's super amazing, gets to do all these crazy things. Uh, you don't want to mess with, mess with this guy. If you're a teenager, don't mock him because he's going to call up lion or some bears and they're going to maul you to death. He's got that sort of backup from the Lord. It, before 1 Kings 19, he's fresh off of having like this epic wrath battle with the prophets of Baal uh, where they, they, they're dancing around, cutting themselves, praying to God, their Baal, um, and he, he can't do anything. And then Elijah prays and asks the Lord to call fire from heaven down. It consumes the whole altar, consumes the cows, consumes all this water, and consumes the prophets of Baal. It's amazing. This is his huge victory. He's got a big gold UFC belt. And then someone, uh, a, a queen, just a, some queen threatens him, and he gathers up his skirts and runs off to the desert. And you find him in 1 Kings 19, hiding in a cave. Uh, and here's what he's saying to the Lord. I'm the last one. I'm all alone. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so scared. Where are you? This is a big, this is a big mess up. This is, this is screwed up. Um, and then when you, when you see in first Kings 19, what the Lord does for him, one, the first thing that the Lord does, he, he puts him to sleep. He makes him take a nap. And then when he wakes up, the angel of the Lord is there and, and there's, there's a meal being cooked over a fire and he tells him to eat. And then when he's eaten, there's, there's a little more time of rest. And that's when finally the Lord starts simply talking to him. Uh, for I don't know about you, but me as a pastor, I tend to skip that sort of organizational structure the Lord did with Elijah. And I go straight to the theological talk. Oh, you're in trouble. Oh, you're scared. You have anxiety. You have depression. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Here's Bible verses. Here's what, what you need to know. When the Lord says there, there's, more, there's more to this than only knowledge, I want to lead you to that knowledge, but I want to set the table for it. You need a nap and you need a sandwich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when... When I kind of went down this pathway of figuring out, like, how am I going to deal with this in my own life as a pastor, right? I, our calling is to, is to help people. Yes. Um, and it was out of control in my own life. Um, my, my depression and anxiety, um, days where I, I, just, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I had zero hope for the future. I, I just didn't believe things were going to get better. Um, I was surrounded by uh, a, an amazing wife who loved me, amazing kids, a awesome family, a great church, um, and I could not see the beauty in any of it. Um, and I knew that I was in big trouble. And so I wanted to, uh, again, begin to figure out what am I going to do about this? Because not only do I have to figure out how to battle it in my own life, the call God placed on me is to help other people battle it in their life, anxiety and, and depression. Um, and so here is kind of the first thing that I discovered, and I think it's exactly what you're talking about. Battling depression or anxiety is not about doing one thing. It's about doing a hundred. <laughs> Isn't that overwhelming? And for those of you battling depression right now? Now, if, if you can settle into the principle, you'll understand what we're talking about. But that's that's the principle. The principle is battling anxiety or, or getting out of anxiety land and back into just normal, healthy concern um, 
is not doing one thing. So so Matt and I are, are like not coming to this podcast with, with the silver bullet yeah. that you do this one thing, go read this one verse or, you know, uh, no, it, it, it's a holistic approach. And that's exactly so from the nap and the sandwich and the theology, that's the holistic approach that, that the Lord took with him um, so that he could uh, help remedy uh, this anxiety and, and depression. Right, right. Our, our Bible tells us uh, that we, we human beings are made in the image of God uh, and he chose to give us a mind and a body and a soul. Um, and depending upon, I mean, all those three things are differentiated and distinct, but they're not divided. Uh, and what affects your body will affect your, your mind. Um, so when you're sick, you, you don't feel good physically and that affects how you think and feel. Um, and, and when you, someone breaks up with you or divorces you or betrays you, your, your body is going to take a hit too. Um, so yeah, it, there's no silver bullet. It's not only, oh, you have anxiety, so you need a pill, you need medication. That might be so by God's common grace. We've discovered enough signs that that can relieve some emotional and psych psychological pain that might help. And some others might go, oh, you don't need that. You need faith in God. You need to read your Bible. Yes, but not only, uh, oh, you need to go and see a counselor or a therapist. Of course, that, that would be terrific. Uh, but yeah, th this is a more, this is a bigger and more diverse uh, thing because I think the problem is bigger and more diverse. Absolutely simple thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I think at some point um, medication is right for some people. Um, my, my, always my caveat on that is as a last resort, like mm -hmm. after you've done everything that we're about to talk about. Um, yes. Right. Yes. So um, let let you you kind of just gave us three categories um that that we can begin to uh unpack a little bit here um so body mind and soul or soul mind and body those those three categories again just to 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 give us some framework to discuss kind of what we say when we say it's a holistic approach or it's not just one thing it's a hundred things we're, we're going to put this in these three categories and and discuss them um, in that way, uh, again, to, to kind of be a, of help here. And, and this is, again, something that um, I take very seriously in my own life uh, because I know my, my tendencies towards depression So um, and, and, and being overly anxious about things that are way out of my control. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's just take each one of these. Uh, you, you start us off and then I'll, I'll riff on it as well. Uh, you know, well, body, mind, and soul. Why don't we start with with the body? Um, you know, just just if we can start with three things that we could do. I think this goes to a, a greater principle, and we, we we're talking about this before we begin the podcast. Is we're, we're better off taking advantage of times where we are not in depression and anxiety. We're better off taking full advantage of those times to build up a, some level of health and defense and preparation. Uh, so that when we, when we're on the edge of a cliff of anxiety, depression, sadness, all this, that hopefully, like, either we've got a rope that's already wrapped around us, or or at least that the cliff is, we haven't built up such a tall cliff to fall off of. Uh, so the, these things work and apply especially best when you're not in this suffering place. Yes, but it also works when you're in that suffering place. Uh, which I'll just give three things: eat, sleep, and move. Um, we have to watch our, we have to watch our diets. We need to make sure we're resting. Uh, and we, we, we do need activity. And when I say move, I'm not even talking about lifting weights or exercising or God forbid doing cardio, um, walk, get up. Uh, we're in my workshop. I found it very re rewarding physically to, to move and pick up things and saw stuff and put stuff together. Um, but eat, sleep, and move, those are three good things. Uh, I mean, we can go down a very dietitian type route of, you know, carbohydrates or proteins and fats. Pick, pick your poison. Do you want to be keto or not, vegan or caveman? But not enough are, of us are paying attention to the kind of fuel that we're putting in our bodies. That's me. I'm, I'm the hypocrite here. Um, but but we, need, we need to eat well, not perfectly. Uh, you're, you're not in sin if you ate a donut. Or if you had some pizza, um, but we really need to care about what the what kind of fuel we're putting in our body. And you you can't out exercise a bad diet, 
and you can't out exercise a lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think definitely eat and sleep for me are the top of that list. And yes, move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I'm I'm a, a little bit uh, like fo- more focused on this, I, I think, than than, than you are. Uh, my oh, definitely my by I stole it from somebody else, but. So here, here is my my diet uh, philosophy. Uh, eat one, eat food. I stole this from somebody else. Um, uh, one, eat food, um, meaning uh, not overly highly processed junk. Real food. Eat real food. Um, like fast food is not real food. Um, <laughs> so so no, don't do that. Um, eat real food, like meats and vegetables and grains. And you know, if you look on the back of the label and there's a whole bunch of words on the label that you can't pronounce, it's highly processed and it's not food. So don't eat it. So eat food. Eat uh, second. Eat a lot of vegetables. Um, eat a lot. They're really good for you. You know, just like your mom told you. Uh, eat food. Eat a lot of vegetables. Three, don't eat too much. So, like, I think you're right. Like, we could spend like you know 18 podcasts talking about the different diets and all kind of stuff like that. That's what. But I found I found those principles really really helpful um, to me. And so, um, in my personal battle against anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. um, watching my diet closely um, and then exercising on a regular basis, I do the dreaded cardio's. Yeah. Um, there was just study after study that I read that said um, patients that uh, struggled with depression and anxiety, group A was given antidepressants, group B was um, told to exercise and did like 30 minutes of cardio several times a week, and the results were about the same. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it, again, study after study uh, that that I read kind of came up with with those same type of things. And so... When it, when it comes to the body, um, diet, exercise, sleep, I would also recommend a, a, a good multivitamin or some type of supplement uh, because you're just not going to get everything, all the vitamins except that your body needs. Um, even with a really amazing diet, uh, you, you still need some type of daily, uh, daily supplement, daily vitamin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, over the last month or two, actually, strangely enough, I found that one of the biggest dietary changes that's helped my mind, my thinking and awareness is, uh, is not less coffee, but it's more water. Yeah. I, I do not generally drink enough water, but I have found in the last month or so, middle of the day, I'm foggy and I'm not fine. If I will drink two glasses, a glass or two of just right tap water, whatever yeah. in f- 10, 15 minutes, like it's not like it hits me, but somewhere in there hydration of my brain now i'm starting to think better yeah uh, it's it's that's been a big difference it's eat sleep moves for your body uh if we go to to the mind then um i'm trying to look for kind of parallels between body mind and soul so eat sleep move within for our mind maybe maybe look like learn veg out and think or create mm-hmm. right so so learn you need to eat we need to learn like god did design our minds to learn he he made us learning beings, um, and and we we ought to have some sort of leisure, some sort of rest for our minds. Uh, so I say veg out. Maybe that's more negative for some folks. Uh, watch a movie, sit and listen to music. Uh, man, you and I and our families and our churches love a, fi- a good fire pit. Mm-hmm. Nature's TV to just sit. Um, now what I want to do around the fire pit is what different than what you want to do. You want to sit and not talk. I want to sit and talk. My favorite pastime, not talking. Yes, but to to rest your mind, learn, rest, and then to exercise your mind, think, create. I mean, get a hobby, uh, write, play music, learn, create music, build something, uh, but but set your mind to work to exercise. It's it's good for us. I mean, we can we can see some of these principles if we if we found enough time, uh, even just in the, in the way that Jesus pastored the disciples. You know, they're, they're constantly on the move. They're walking from place to place. They're getting their exercise. You know, uh, they're, Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the boat. Doesn't matter if there's a hurricane, uh, rest, rest is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's time, it's time to, for Jesus to, to preach to 5,000 people. And he wants them to listen up and pay attention. He's, he's upset because they're hungry. Hey, disciples, what do we, have? okay. You don't have any, okay, fine. Let's make some happy, let's break a happy meal up. 
and feed these people. We can see some of these things, uh, I think, at least on display, maybe not preach, but on display in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. You think about, so if we're, if we're talking about the mind, um, I find time and time again, so I have a, uh, basically a diagnostic that I work through with people um, when, when I'm doing coaching or counseling with them. It's just uh, five different areas of health. And, and one thing that I'm always so shocked when I get to the, the part in the diagnostic that it asks a question, do you have a close friend mm-hmm. that you regularly talk to and express uh, deep feelings and emotions? Mm-hmm. So many people, I'm shocked that so many people say no. Yeah. Like they don't, like you don't have a friend, like this, this is bad. Like we need to figure that out. We need to help you, you know, get somebody to, to like talk to, you know, again, we were making the joke about my introvertedness and not liking to talk, but you'll open up. Sure. Absolutely. Like you, you need a friend. Um, and so it, like people struggling with depression and anxiety, if, if you're, if, if we're putting in these three categories, I think, uh, as far as the mind goes, having a close friend, um, that, that knows you, that knows what's going on. Um, and, and th- that helps you, um, kind of see your life, yeah. you know, to circle back to the, to when we were talking about like introducing the, the problem, what are the, what are some of the symptoms of real, true, unhealthy, possibly unrighteous, uh, uh, anxiety. And one of those was for, for me, I, I put it out disconnectivity. Yes. Isolation. Fact, like isolation. Like one of the, I, I don't want to talk to a friend. I don't need a friend or I don't know how to get to them. I don't, I just, I can't move myself toward them. And that symptom shows actually what, what maybe some of the medicines, some of the relief the Lord wants to provide you, which is the very thing that you don't feel like taking is the very thing that you need to take, mm-hmm. which is friendship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other ones that, that I have on, uh, on my list as far as like how to, if we're focusing on the mind, I have time with friends. Um, you, you mentioned kind of veg out or I, I wrote time alone again, my, my introverted self. Um, I find that if I can go, uh, be away alone, um, whether that be outside, uh, in the shop or, you know, in my, in my wood shop or, or whatever, it helps me process things, uh, and, and helps me get back grounded to reality because I think that's what happens. Anxiety and depression has this way of skewing what, what things really are. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that, that was my point is like, you can't see the beauty, like you can't see how amazing your life is, um, because it's being skewed by anxiety and depression. And so I find if I can get alone, uh, and really meditate on all the good things that God has given me, it's helpful to me. So time with friends, time alone, can I ask you something about it? Yeah. This, yeah. Would you, and if you do, how would you differentiate between isolation and solitude? What What's happening in that time? Right. So if you're isolating and so I'll differentiate between isolating and, and uh, let's call it uh, time alone or, or solitude. Solitude, right? Um, isolation would be you're by yourself and you're consumed with negative thoughts. Mm. You're consumed with thoughts about, um, how things are not going to get better. Um, how the Lord has left you, uh, to deal with your own problem where you are, um, how your marriage is probably definitely going to fail, you know? So pulling away and being, you've got to like, okay, what's happening in my heart right now? Mm. I'm being consumed with these negative thoughts. I better go find somebody. Right. Right. But if, but if I'm by myself in solitude and things are quiet and I'm, I'm going, Lord, I am filled with depression, fear, and anxiety. I don't, I don't know what to do. Please teach me, show my spirit, um, the beauty in my companion, my best friend, my wife. Lord, show my spirit um, the the beauty of my two little girls when they laugh and want want me to take them to ride horses with mm. them. Right? Mm. Um, if that's going on, I'm I'm being restored in that time of aloneness. Right? Sounds like there's a book in there on isolation and solitude. Yeah, that that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the other one that I have in uh, under the mind category is connection to a community. Obviously, we're pastors, so we we would say connection to a church family, being a member of a church body. Mm-hmm. Um, how in the world does that factor into to depression and and anxiety? It, it factors in because it, depression and anxiety makes you uh, focus inward and only on you and your problems and issues. 
But when you're connected to a larger community, you realize that God has a massive plan, Mm -hmm. that you're connected to a church, a movement that's been exploding uh, over, you know, 2000 years of God's plan and mission being carried out over the whole globe. Right. Um, Man, that what what a lift in your spirit that can be to realize that there's a bigger and greater and more expansive plan for the globe and for the universe than just the fact that, um, you know, these these real issues are happening in your life. Right. Uh, one of the things I find for me, uh, and it's a great contrast between having the great and glorious plan and the promises of the Lord set before you among his people who are, we're teaming together and partnering together as brothers and sisters to ever put that in front of each other's eyes, right? Um in contrast to that, another benefit of being part of a church, and we, what Kirk and I don't mean is, well, I go to a church or I signed a covenant. What we mean is like that last thing he talked about is friendship, like someone purposefully, actively engaging and committing their life to other people's lives. What, when that happens, you start to see not only the great and grand plan of God and great reason to take hope and joy, but isolation is fought because then if you're isolated, all you see, it's a very self-centered place to get into it, is all you see is your own pain and you don't see anyone else's. But in the church fellowship and the brotherhood and the sisterhood, you find that you really are alone because you end up finding other people are hurting you go, oh, you too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you struggle with this. Oh, you have this weakness too. You have this just absolutely nutso thoughts or fears that I thought I'm the weirdo for having and you, you have, I'm not alone and Jesus still likes you. You're still walking with Jesus. Maybe there's hope for me. Oh, like, why don't we help each other? Uh, there's, a, there's a great and wonderful, glorious uh, uh, gift in, in shared suffering mm. as we limp together in Christ. And it's like three-legged race. We got our arms around each other and we're pursuing Christ as we limp along, you know? Yeah. One of the greatest tools in battling depression for me has been using my depression to help other people. Right. Right. By by saying yeah, I I I get that. Uh, I I know uh, what's going on. Yeah, um, I've experienced that same thing, um, and so it's helped. It's helped, you know, take me again out of anxiety land and bring me over into you know healthy concern um, by saying, "Yep, I struggled with that too." And here's the things that I did. Yeah, you know, to weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we got Bonnie, uh, mind. Uh, one last thing undermined, I wrote time away from phone and media, mm. just time away from it, whether that be by yourself or with other people, but being able to shut your phone off for an hour a day, like just didn't have to be, you know, hopefully it's more, but you know, if you can at least get away from your phone, away from a screen for an hour a day, go outside, like you said, go on a walk, use that time to move your body, use that time to talk with a friend. Um, but just time away, time away from a screen um, on a, a regular basis, uh, you know, a setting aside a time every day, um, I, I think is a, is a great way to cultivate that in your mind. It's, a, it's an idea that everyone thinks is a great idea and no one does. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yes, you're absolutely right. I watched a documentary on that. Yeah. And, and from on, a screen. on my screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Uh, so Bonnie, mind, last one, soul. So, so again, I'm looking for some parallel things, maybe to give a little bit of pastor preacher type of symmetry that we all type, tend to enjoy. So body, mind, and soul, body, eat, sleep, move, mind, learn, rest, veg out, or think and create for the soul. Man, I, I, I'm constantly feeling like I need to find sexier or more sophisticated things to offer to people in their spiritual life. And I'm trying to repent of that when the Lord has very, very good, wise uh, and write things for us. Bible, meditation, and prayer. Bible, meditation, and prayer. Like, if you're going to eat for your body, if you're going to learn for your mind, then we need to eat. we need to partake of the bread of life. Mm. We need to, like many of us are suffering spiritually, and we're going. I'm starving spiritually while the bread of life is on the table in front of us, gathering mold. Why? Do, why do you think we're so tempted to believe that? Bible reading and studying and prayer is ineffective. We're worldly. It's just worldliness. Um, gosh, it's, it's just, it's worldliness. The, the wisdom of the Lord is the wisdom of an upside down kingdom. And uh, 
it's not sophisticated enough. Uh, we, we, it, it's sin in our own hearts. It's faithlessness and disbelief on display. My knee-jerk reaction is, I already know that. Right. Uh, and, and I see that same thing in the people in, in my church mm-hmm. when I tell them Bible reading and prayer. I see their, I have that same reaction. I already know that. Me too. Yeah. Oh, no, listen, I, I, this week, Monday and Tuesday, were heavy, weighty days where there were some people that I've thought about who are extremely close to me. Um, and when they, in the circumstances or situations that I've been thinking about wrestling over and even praying about when they enter my mind, my stomach in those moments would turn over and twist. I would get like slightly that, that strange nausea that happens when you're overwhelmed with with worry, anxiety, and, and frustration. And one of those moments happened about 9 a.m. on Monday, and I'm at our church, and I'm in my office, and the thought entered my mind, Kirk, I'm, I need to look for, I need to search for the scriptures. There, there's got to be something from the Lord, some word from the Lord here in the book that he wrote to us. And literally, do you know what happened? Like, as I'm opening up my laptop to find the scripture on, you know, BibleGateway.com, I get an alert on my phone and invisibly, it happened without thinking, I spent the next 10 minutes on text messages and then I'm on Facebook and I'm checking Twitter. Mm. When my concern, my need, my spiritual need, I I know I need to eat and I I got so quickly distracted. Mm. It happens invisibly without thinking. Uh, But it it comes down to disbelief and worldliness. It comes down to, um, I think, pattern deep deeply inset patterns and habits we've that we've created for ourselves. um it takes it, it's going to take some discipline and some thought it's going to take asking the lord to to do some things as we do things with him but yeah bible meditate and pray like so again it's matt chandler who's at the village church in texas he often decries the idea of people christians who will open the bible and read it like the newspaper and then they'll close it and go about their day uh b- James in, in, the, in the letter from James in the, in, the, in the New Testament, he'll say, there are those of us who will look into the word of God, see the truth of God, and then walk away like in a mirror, and then we'll walk away as though we hadn't seen it in the first place. So we, we need to develop some level, some sensibility for our health, for our spiritual health of meditating, like thinking and chewing on the word of the Lord, what he said. And, and everyone's like, Bible, pray, meditate throughout my day. I'm so busy. I've got all this. And there's no time. There's totally time. Like what? What conversations, what, what, what conversations or things are happening in our heads for those of us who have more than a 10, 10 minute commute, mm-hmm. we're thinking and meditating on our day. We're meditating on our boss. We're meditating on our, our budget, our finances. We're chewing in and processing those things. That bandwidth, some, a large portion of it needs to be handed over to, I read the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Let me think about that. Yeah. Let me think about what the Lord said here. And then just, man, pray. And, and I know you've got your own list. Talk to the Lord. Um, it, it, I think prayer puts into use what we've eaten, the bread of life, and that digestion of that bread of life turns into the activity. If it's body, it's eat, sleep, and move. If it's soul, it's Bible, meditate, and now pray. Talk to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Exercise and work out your salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Put these things now to use. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how many people who are uh, so-called Christians, basically, what they've done with the house that is their life. They've mm. decorated it with Christian things, without the foundation actually being uh, yeah. truly based in who God says they are, what the Bible says about them, Bible reading and prayer. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like that so many Christians, particularly in the South. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, yeah, of course, this is, you know, uh, they've decorated their house with with Christian things. But the, the very foundation of it is not Bible reading and prayer. It's built on sand. Yes. Right. Built on sand. It, it, it's built on, you know, psychology that they find helpful to them to get them through their day. It's not built on Bible reading and prayer. Yeah. Um, and so that I, I think that um, the concern that you brought up is probably um, the top concern, which is I don't have time. So if we're saying you want to battle depression, anxiety, uh, it's going to take a holistic approach. 
Uh, it's not one thing you do. It's a hundred things you do. Um, you need to focus in on these three areas, uh, body, soul, and mind. Um, here are the ways that you can do that. And somebody says, well, you know, I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I got a wife, I got a kids, I got this thing to do, and then I've got to be over here for this thing. And I like, when, when in the world am I ever going to have time to actually sit down and read the Bible and study and meditate and find time alone and do this and, you know, change my whole diet. Eat eight hours and eat real food, take vitamins and yeah. start doing jujitsu. Yeah. Time for that. Uh, no one has time to start to make all of those changes now. Uh, it, I, I, I'm, I have felt that way. I felt that way when it was time to plant uh, Restoration City Church. Was reading books about planting churches, uh, and and you and Gospel Community Church out eight ten months ahead of us, uh, getting documents and lists of things and pointers from pastors who are out ahead of us and me. It it was overwhelming to see the list, the the bullet points of all the things that would be needed in order to plant a healthy church. And it, and for the person suffering from anxiety or depression, fear and anger right now, and they're going, I still feel like this is just too much. This is, I, I, that's not, I, I, there's not enough time. I don't have enough bandwidth. I don't have the money. I, it feels like you're being told to eat an elephant. Yep. And the only way you eat an elephant is to start eating one bite at a time. Yep. And so what the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time for this, there's a time for that, all things in its proper place and its proper time. So it for the person listening right now that you, you probably need to spend some time praying, take the time now to begin by praying and then start sorting out the Lord with your own spirit and possibly even, you know, a loved one, someone who is close and go, what what's the best first and next step? Just Just start with one thing mm -hmm. at least start from there today somebody can take a walk yes yes today uh before somebody goes to bed uh, they can get out their phone and pull up their bible app yes or get out their actual bible uh and and read a chapter right now you can pause this podcast and pray for a minute mm -hmm. one minute 60 yep. seconds start there yep yeah absolutely um well, again, we hope that this has been uh, helpful to you, Matt. Anything to add before we move on? You know, um, I, I think there's just one final thing I have in my notes here. Um, and it's a question that no, no one wants to be asked. And it's honestly a question that I, as a pastor, I don't even want to ask. But man, to, to go there is a loving thing to do. If you're in severe, overwhelming, heavy burden, frustration, anxiety, depression... I, I want to ask two final diagnostic questions that I think only the listener between them and the Lord can answer for themselves, honestly, is, is there existent or ongoing or unrepentant sin in your life? Because that is a, a, a toxic and poisonous and, and, and terrible source. It, it's, it's, a, it's a wound to our souls that we might be committing sin with our bodies or our minds, we might be sinning in our souls. And that is the original thing, the original poison and toxin that brings that sort of distress and death to our bodies, minds, and souls. So first question, is there sin, ongoing, possibly unrepentant, hidden sin? Then as pastors and as Christians, we would say, man, you, you, need, you need to confess that to the Lord and a brother or sister or leader. Or, man, is there sin on you? Is there sin on you from others, some great, egregious, either ongoing, long-lasting, long-term, or just a significant sin that someone has created, committed against you? And, and have, are you ready to take steps to address that? Mm. To forgive that person, uh, maybe reconcile with them, but to at least, some of us, I think, are minimizing the sin of others against ourselves hmm. because we want to be good. We want to be kind, we want to be charitable, but we're not admitting the great and grievous wound of sin against us. And now it's being minimized and not being addressed while we, while we wither away in anxiety and frustration and depression. I, I, have, I have several people in my church who suffer anxiety and depression because of long-term old wounds that are still festering from sin against them. So I think those might be two close-up questions. Sorry to drop that kind of bomb as we're kind of transitioning out, but... Man, I think that's really to start with a question that only you, the listener, between you and the Lord, you can uh, answer honestly for yourself. Mm -hmm. And and so if 
if they find themselves answering yes to either one of those, I mean, what's the immediate next step? Um, pray, pray now. If that's what you're like, if this is an enlightening moment for you and you're listening, you're going, oh my gosh, that is me. I, I would, as soon as I'm dating, we're, as we're done saying these things right the second, I would, I would hit pause. Even if there's only a minute or two left on the pause, hit pause and pray and ask the Lord to begin helping you. And you don't even know what that looks like, but Lord, I, I need your help. You are the, you are the reliever of my burden. You're the, you're the, you're the physician of my soul. You're the sa savior of my life. I, I need help. Cry out. Uh, and then two, they, it might be best to speak to a trustworthy. I think the next possible best step is to speak to a trustworthy, wise, healthy Christian, a brother or a sister. And possibly, I would dare say, come, come to one of your pastors. Come to a pastor, an elder there. We're here to shepherd you and, and serve your souls. Mm -hmm. uh, and, even, and so even if Kirk or I or your own pastor in your church might not be the answer, the person to shepherd you out of this. We're here to facilitate that and bring you to someone that could serve you in this way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That, that's my first stab at that. What would you say? Yep. Yeah. Uh, immediately cry out to the Lord. Um, ask for a special provision of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, theologically, obviously, we believe that we are indwelt as Christians. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we see several times uh, throughout the Bible, the Lord sending the presence of his spirit in a, in a particular and special way. Yeah. Cry out to the Lord to send you a special provision of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. so that you can begin the healing process um, because sin is always destructive. Yeah. It always wounds, whether it's sin that you have committed or sin that's been committed against you. Sin always wounds. So cry out to the to the Lord and ask for a special provision of His Spirit, um, and then your very next step is taking it to um, your church family. Yeah. Uh, again, whether that be uh, a community group leader, uh, somebody who's in in a, a a group at church with you, your pastor, uh, a deacon, a trusted elder, um, because we're not meant uh, to do the Christian life alone. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yep. Well, we want to thank you for listening uh, to this uh, episode of the Training Day podcast, where we want to help you continue learning so that you can be equipped for every good work and everyday life. And stay tuned uh, for more episodes coming up soon. <laughs>